This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Hey everyone, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you that this episode of American Sex Podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash podcast. The AS is for American Sex. Over 180,000 titles to choose from, from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podcast for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. I'm Ken Melvoinberg. And I'm Sunny Megatron. And we're sex and kink educators that are the force behind the TV series Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. Married couple. Uh, and bickering is our love language, Ken. Don't forget that. You were going to forget that, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to forget it. <laughs> you got it. Nailed it. And welcome to our American Sex Podcast. Our guest this week is Alice Little. She was named the number one top legal sex worker in all of the United States. I think it was for like two years running so far. And hey, maybe a third. So I, I hate to interrupt what's going on with our introduction, but we've got sort of a sad and very real moment for you. Um Normally, we probably wouldn't even be coming on here in doing any kind of a podcast this week, but we are dedicated to doing it so much so that we, uh, Sonny and I lost our, our little pug, Nathan. We got him in February of 2012, and this little pug has been my buddy in shadow pretty much ever since. Um, he had a sudden uh, illness that came on out of nowhere, and we had to put him down, um, and here we are doing a podcast. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yay. You may have heard us refer to him as a, a little asshole. And someone actually on, on Instagram was like, I, t I take issue with you calling you your pug an asshole. And I'm like, I don't think you understand no, what he, I he mean. No, he was an asshole. Yeah, what I mean when I say asshole, it's a term of endearment. We loved that he was a little asshole. He wasn't an asshole like, I'm going to do really nasty, horrible things and bite your face off. He was more just a cute, adorable, lovable little jerk. And he knew it. He's too. like me, just in a smaller body. Yeah, he pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. What is it you say? I may be an asshole, but I'm, I'm your, your asshole. asshole. Yeah. So he was our little asshole. So... Rest miss, in peace, Nathan. We love you forever, buddy. Yes. Dog speed, little dog. Someone said that to me in condolences, and I was like, that's so sweet. That is. And I'm going to steal that dog speed. All right. So it's kind of hard to transition. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, so what's a happy thing we can talk about, Kent? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> we just had a burrito. I watched real-life torture videos. Yeah. Okay. Because this is better than... <laughs> But, Dealing okay. with my dog's death. So 
there are videos on the internet. Listeners, you've heard of websites like Faces of Death and those gory websites. So is it kind of like that? Like what? Yeah, that's and it was those sort of videos. And I used to watch like Faces of Death all the time when I was a kid, never realizing that because of the internet, they have like that in much, much worse. And I just put in like removing skin and like one or two were like, you know, beauty products. And then it went right into Mexican drug cartel taking people and flaying them alive. And like they have full on video of this. I, I was just not aware to what extent like, you know, like people complain about sex on the Internet. But that level of violence right. is OK, apparently. Yeah. So that's out there. And of course, who notified us of this on the internet. It's not even on the dark web. You know, just Google our daughter. So what are your kids watching, listeners? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where the hell that went, but, you know. (sighs) So, Ken. Get off my lawn. Okay. (laughs) Get get your skin off my lawn. Your skinned cartel torture victim off my lawn. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, next uh. week, <laughs> womp, womp, we're like, hi, Another everyone. cheery episode of American Sex Podcast. No, this actually is a really fun fucking episode. Alice Little, to me, was fascinating. I, Alice was amazing. Yeah, I, I've heard about the Bunny Ranch for forever. I've never been I've, there. I've heard of her before, actually. Mm. Like oh, she, really? Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, it's she's very well known in those circles. She's not only you know a sex worker at the moonlight money ranch but she's also a sex educator and has just tons of knowledge in fact many of the uh the people that work at the bunny ranch are also sex educators right and that's something that a lot of folks don't know that they're kind of a, a double threat that way a double threat but a good threat not a mexican cartel level not a threat. Mexican cartel double threat no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could ever go back to Cancun again, man. I've been hearing. Okay, so Ken and I and the kids and my Uncle George, who is now 90, went to Isla Mujeres, which is a little island off of Cancun a few years ago over Christmas. And we're like, one day we're going to go back to Isla Mujeres. And now we're kind of terrified. Yeah, it's the, I mean, there's well, I'm not terrified, but like we're leaving Chicago soon. And there's there's more murders in Cancun than are in Chicago. And that's pretty frightening because Chicago has more than Iraq and Afghanistan combined. Right. So we had over like what we had like 800 deaths uh, by gunshot last year. Yeah. So how many would that be a day? Because I want to say I heard like. In Cancun alone, it's like 10 or 20 a day or something. That would be like two a day. Okay, so yeah, we're not vacationing in Cancun anytime soon. Well, until it's safe. We we love Mexico. We love Cancun, but just we we also love our lives. Exactly. (laughs) So, Ken, (laughs) what are we... In the darker episode of American (laughs) Sex Podcast, when we go dark, we go right for flaying and murder. Yeah, yeah. What have we got going on this week, Ken? Or next week? Wait, the 28th is next week. So what have we got so going Sonny on? Sonny and I are teaching a BDSM 101 workshop at the Discovery Center in Chicago on Wednesday, March 28th. You guys should come and join us because hopefully by the... Well, no, maybe because we're dark and creepy at this point. Details for our March 28th BDSM class will be in the show notes for this episode, episode 33, at americansexpodcast.com and sunnymegatron.com. Holy crap, 33 episodes? Yeah, we're, we're as old as Jesus, Ken. 33. Wow. Wow, we're getting there. Soon we're going to be at 50. 52 is our year. 
So we got to do some big blowout for our year anniversary. Maybe I can give you a blowjob on the air. You know what I want to do? You know, <laughs> to blow out. The, what, what do you want to do? I think that we should get remote control sex toys on different frequencies and like and because she there's a reason she's saying this kids we tried uh sex experimentation once with two sex toys from the same company and they didn't use different frequencies so when i had something up my ass and wanted a really light like butterfly kiss touch, and i wanted a jackhammer on my clit and turned up my remote her clit jackhammer like affected both her and i at the same time that's pretty damn funny so, Lalo, change your frequencies. Yes. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. If, if there's multiple sex toys out there from the same company, make sure they're on different remote control And you know who has different remote control frequencies is B-Vibe. B-Vibe does. Yeah. yeah. No, I was super impressed with that because like we had, they had talked to us a little bit about that. And that's the first thing that I suggested. And they're like, we already did it. Yeah. Which is really smart. So friends, if you are in the Rochester, New York area, or can be, or going to be the first weekend in April... Ken and I are spending an entire weekend at the Rochester Erotic Arts Festival. We're teaching four classes, G-Spot class, prostate class, exploring non-monogamy, and sex and humor. And I got to say, if you come to some of those classes, we may have some goodies for you. Just saying. But more on that later. So the Rochester Erotic Arts Festival is one of those weekend-long sex conventions that we periodically talk about on the podcast. So it is not to be missed. You can find out more and get your tickets at rochestereroticartfest.org. And of course, the link for that will be in the show notes. Keep your eyes out for a couple more events that Sonny and I are at in the Midwest over the next couple of months. The first one, is at Club Ascension on Memorial Day weekend in Detroit, Michigan. They are having a chicken barbecue Memorial Day weekend event, and we are teaching one or two classes there. And I think that we're actually teaching our interrogation class that weekend. And at the end of July, we'll be at COPE, C-O-P-E, the Columbus, Ohio Perversion Excursion in Columbus, Ohio. We're still finalizing the details for both of these events, but a link to both will be in our show notes. If you're new here... You may not know that here on American Sex Podcast, we do sex toy giveaways every single month for our listeners. This month, you can win an Aussie by Lovence provided by our wonderful sponsor, Castle Megastore. The Aussie is the world's first oscillating G-Spot toy, and it's also smartphone control. Fucking A, that's awesome. So that means a partner can control it from anywhere in the damn world world. So you know you want to win one of your own, right? How you do that is you go to sunnymegatron.com slash Aussie. That's O-S-C-I. And thanks again, Castle Megastore for this awesome prize. And listeners, don't forget, you can also get 20% off most items at castlemegastore.com when you use the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at checkout. Oh, and looking ahead, during the month of April, which is next month, we are going to have not one, but two giveaways. Details are coming soon, but make sure in a couple of weeks when April starts, you listen out for both of those giveaways. This week's guest, Alice Little, told us a story about a very unexpected reaction during a bondage scene. You can hear about it for free on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash American sex. But you know what? 
some of those stories that you hear aren't always going to be free. In fact, pretty soon, they're going to be changing and available to only people who donate a dollar a month on our Patreon. So if you, yes, you, you listening right there, if you want to become a part of our Patreon family, you'll get these and other perks too. Oh my God. I've had the giggles the whole time Ken's been talking. So speaking of Patreon, (laughs) I recorded the most hilarious bonus episode that is up this week for Patreon members only. I spent the better part of an hour shooting the shit, literally, with Dixie De La Tour of the Body Storytelling Stage Show and Podcast. It is belly laugh out loud funny, as in I was a part of the conversation, but I still laughed out loud hard when I was listening to the playback. And... It's also gross, but in the funniest way. Become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash American sex and you will see what I mean. And hey, also, please remember to subscribe to American Sex Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave an iTunes star rating a written review and tell your friends to listen to American Sex Podcast too, because that helps us out a ton. Today's guest is Alice Little. Alice is the number one booking legal sex worker in the United States and works as a courtesan at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. At only four feet, eight inches, she is by far the tiniest lady at the legal brothels in Nevada. A New York native, she has worked as an EMT, a horse jockey. She loves electronic and tabletop entertainment and adores intellectual stimulation. A frequent visitor to Virginia City and fascinated by its history, she loves exploring Nevada and all it has to offer. Alice has presented at over 50 kink and BDSM events nationwide and frequently helps couples with their problems in and out of the bedroom. She has recently started writing relationship advice articles for She Knows Media and was also recently featured on The Tim Ferriss Show. I really super duper enjoy this conversation. If you have wondered what goes on behind closed doors at the Bunny Ranch... You don't have to keep wondering. In about 45 minutes, you will know it all. Alice gives us a peek into what sex work is like. And some of you may be surprised to hear that 90% of it is not sex. So screw in those earbuds tight and get ready to be a very curious fly on the wall at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. We have got, and I'm so excited, we have got Alice Little on the line right now. Hi, Alice. Hello, hello. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Wonderful. I am so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. And there's there's so much I want to talk about. I think the the first thing is to kind of get all of our listeners on the same page. Ken and I are very familiar with the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, um, but some of our listeners might not be. So can you explain to us briefly what it is? What's your role there and all that good stuff? Of course. So the Moonlight Bunny Ranch is a legal brothel in Carson City, Nevada. A lot of people don't realize that there is legal prostitution in America. However, it only exists in Nevada and only exists within the legal brothel system. I happen to be the number one booking lady of all the Nevada brothels, and I work over at the Bunny Ranch, which also happens to be one of the nicest locations, too. I understand that Dennis Hoff owns a bunch of brothels that are sort of kind of in the same area over there. And when you say you're the number one, does that mean you get the most bookings, the most requested? What does that actually mean? It's a combination of different factors. The title is Number One Companion of the Year, and it's a combination of number of bookings and requests, how many appointments I have, and the types of reviews I get. 
That's amazing. So you guys have, uh, a, in addition to you, there's a couple of other famous folks that work there in the brothel. I know, like, I'm not sure, is Air Force Amy still there? She sure is, and she is still doing incredible. That is that is just amazing. In fact, I was in the United States Air Force right at about the same time I believe she was. Oh, that's too funny. I know, right? And that was always like a lifetime goal of mine to eventually come out there and see her. But now I have like a number of people that I want to come out and see, including yourself. That is just oh, incredible. Thank you. Uh, and is uh, Sunny still there? Sunny Lane is actually working down south at the Love Ranch Vegas. However, she is available by appointment at the Bunny Ranch, too. That is just awesome. Now, uh, uh, one of the things about seeing a professional sex worker is that you have to get something called DC done. Now, uh, being in the the health field, that's something that I'm familiar with because I'm like since the since the late 1980s, I had been seeing sex workers, uh, and it was a very common thing for me to. In fact, I first started going to see sex workers in Amsterdam, and I was a little surprised at the technique that they used there. Can you explain to people what DC means? Oh, yes. So DC stands for dick check. It's the more PG way of saying that we are going to pull down your pants and examine your genitals, which sounds incredibly intimidating. But we have a way of making it sort of fun. We like to do it very slowly, very sensually, but we're still taking care of the health component at the same time and just doing a very basic visual sweep, make sure that everything looks happy, healthy, and ready to go before we climb into bed together. And and if things don't look happy and healthy, do you have a a, a discreet and I guess kind of non-shamey way to be like, hey, <laughs> like what happens then? Oh, yeah, it's just a basic conversation of, hey, I need to make you aware of this. You might need to go see your doctor, get it taken care of. But after that, come on back. Let's have fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's never been problematic. More often than not, it ends up being something very, very benign that the person didn't even know about. Right. Now, after you guys do DC, uh, at that point, uh, is safe sex involved in what you guys are doing? Always. Safe sex is an absolute requirement non-optional. That means condoms, dental dams, full-on protection for all sexual intercourse. So I read somewhere that you being the number one, I think it was for two years in a row, sex worker, that you're a seven-figure earner. And I know when most people hear that, they're like, well, cha-ching, this is the easiest job in the world. Why don't I get into that? (laughs) And it's not, it's not, as easy as it looks, is it? What are some of the considerations that that you have to either go through or services you need to provide that maybe the average person doesn't even think about? They think it's just, oh, you give a quick blowjob and you're done and, and you people throw heaps of money at you. What is it really? Oh, yeah. The biggest misconception is that it's about the sex and that we're selling sex at the brothels. The reality of the situation is that sex is the easy part. Sex isn't what we're selling. What we're selling and what we're focused on is more so companionship. We're interested in creating an experience for our guests. So the conversation oftentimes starts online in the form of a getting to know you email. So there might be anywhere from five emails back and forth to 25 emails back and forth, which of course, when you have an inbox with 50 odd emails each day, certainly takes up a fair bit of time that people don't really think of or factor into the equation when thinking of what is it like to be a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Additionally, people oftentimes forget the social media component of it. We are our own business. All of the ladies are independent contractors, so that means that you're responsible for managing your entire business. Any social media, photos, any 
personal blogs that you want to write, you're responsible for generating all that content too. For me, it doesn't really feel like work because I'm such a creative person. I really love and enjoy that side of it. But for other people, that may seem more of a chore to them. Additionally, people aren't always ready for the in-person, face-to-face, emotional labor that comes with sex work. To kind of explain what I mean, emotional labor is the energy that is gathered up and kind of placed and focused on the other person, addressing their needs, their wants, and their desires. If you're not familiar with doing this type of very, very intense, very, very emotionally draining type of work, it can certainly be a wearying job if you're not sure how to balance your energy and you're not sure how to take accountability for self-care. So there's definitely a component of knowing when to stop, take care of yourself, when you need to kind of put the brakes on a little bit. I've heard a lot of sex workers say that, yes, you know, as you said, sex is a part of it, but it kind of takes a backseat to, you know, you're a therapist, you're a companion, you're all of these other emotional things that that emotional labor really is paramount. What are some of the most common forms of emotional labor that you provide to your patrons? So, well, I can't speak for all ladies. What I choose to do is I exchange my personal cell phone number with any clients that have upcoming appointments or are regulars of mine. This way we can actually get to know each other on a very real and tangible level. That's how are you? How was your morning? Here's a cute photo of my dog. Let's talk about our trip a little bit and some of the ideas that you had. Let's plan out where we would like to go for dinner. And that's something that I choose to do that most ladies instead will wait until they're face-to-face with the person to have that getting-to-know-you conversation. I'm a diehard people person, and so I love, love talking to people. So for me, I choose to really put a lot of emphasis on that connection early on. Right. So you also... You have a kind of a, a firsthand, I don't know, I'm mixing my metaphors, a firsthand seat, a back, not a back seat, a passenger seat, a driver's seat, whatever. But you get to see what men, I'm assuming most of your clients are primarily men, correct? Yes, I do see primarily men. However, I am available for women, couples, whomever is interested. I don't discriminate at all. And I have seen folks that are trans, folks that are intersex. So while the primary demographic is male, specifically cis male, Mm -hmm. that's certainly not the only demographic we have at the ranches. So for anyone listening, please don't feel excluded. You're certainly welcome in my bedroom. And I do want to talk more about like women who come to you and threesomes and and whatnot. So I'm putting that and, and make a little mental note. But with men specifically, do you get to hear some of their, you know, here are the problems I'm, let's say, having at home with my wife, or here are problems that I'm having sexually. You get a front seat to all of those things, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's really, really interesting. Kind of going off of your car metaphor, once I get back into the room, kind of once that door closes and we're in this private space, the tone of the conversation shifts to something that's really, really personal, meaningful, and deep. There's always this joke that the best conversations happen behind closed doors, and it's really true. It's a rare opportunity for men to be completely open, honest, and in many ways even sexually selfish when it comes to describing their needs and their desires. So then what are some of the things, I mean, without getting specific, but I'm sure you can gather together some generalities, what are some of the common themes that you see of 
problems that men are having either sexually expressing themselves, things that maybe they're not getting or they feel that they can't express in other environments besides in a room with you? The first the first thing is truly and honestly the very basic of an ability to talk about sex. Well, it sounds very, very simple. Unfortunately, sex education skips over the whole let's talk about sex component of sex ed. Instead, it's generally only abstinence. So men aren't taught the words for sex. They're not taught the words to put on their emotions. They're not given the language to describe their desires. And unfortunately, that makes them feel very insecure when it comes to finding that language. They struggle with it oftentimes and aren't sure and aren't comfortable. Being in that place of vulnerability for anyone isn't a very comfortable situation. And so when it comes to relationships, what a lot of times men are telling me is that at home, they're not talking about their desires. They're not talking about sex. They are holding back their needs from their partner. And instead, they only feel comfortable really getting into the detail of those things with me in my bedroom and in an environment where they know there's no judgment, there's no pressure, there's no anything other than just an open, honest, willing person to listen and explore with them. So I I have a question for you that's completely kind of off topic from the the sort of things we've been discussing, because I found it really interesting that you're an antiquarian. And I have to ask, do you you collect Lewis Carroll books? I do. I am a gigantic, gigantic fan. If you can't tell my name, Alice Little was inspired by Alice Liddell, the character from Alice in Wonderland. So wait, for the non-geeks here, explain what an antiquarian (laughs) is. Because they're like, do you collect fish bowls? We should also talk about sapiosexuality. Oh, goodness. What is that? So I am a collector of antique rare books. I specifically choose to target children's books, and I really am a big fan of occult books as well. So I really enjoy going out into used bookstores, going through the boxes and finding these tomes that have sort of been buried and forgotten through the history and pull them back out and bring them home with me. I think that's just amazing. I actually used to own a rare occult used bookstore. So let me know if there's anything that you're looking for that you haven't found yet, because I may have Okay, game on. That is amazing. You are so cool. (laughs) So I have another question, though, that kind of goes into the Lewis Carroll thing. Are you like your your name is Alice Little. Are you a little when it comes to like fetishes and kink? Did you ever kind of embrace any sort of age play? I'm very comfortable with age play due to the nature of my job. It's one of the many services that I'm very comfortable providing. It's something that, for me, I don't choose to personally identify with. I'm more of a service-oriented person, but when somebody is looking to have an experience with someone that's in an age play role, I'm very, very comfortable meeting that need, and I get pleasure out of it more so from taking care of the person's needs and desires rather than specifically being a little. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. But I like that we touched on some BDSM stuff because I've heard you're actually quite into BDSM and people that have the stereotypes in their minds see you and you're like, so cute with your red hair and you can be a badass too. So <laughs> we're, we're going to take a break and then we're going to talk about your badassery in just a moment. 
Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift, too, if you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing! Castle Megastore. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money, you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my god, give me water, those are the best orgasm ever. I know you're fancy, and I know you've been eyeing some of those luxury sex toys, haven't you, you frisky little fox? Well, I also know that you enjoy a good discount, don't you, dear? You now can get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, at luxury sex toy retailer Lalo.com with discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you heard me right. 20% off anything your little heart, or, well, other parts, desire at Lelo.com using discount code S-U-N-N-Y. Yes, dear, you can thank me later. We're back with Alice Little. And before the break, Ken brought up the subject of BDSM and being a little. So I heard. Which, which she is not, by the way, for those of you that right. didn't hear the first part. You are not a little, even though your name is little. And you are little, but you're not a little. So Yes, I am not a little. I am just physically very, very <laughs> tiny. I stand at four foot eight. To give you an idea for perspective, the girls on America's Next Top Model are an entire foot taller than I am. So I'm very, very tiny here for scale. Okay, so I'm sure you get quite a few clients that come in for BDSM. Oh, yes. It's a very common request. So do they request you to dom them? Or- I'll get requests for both being a dominant and being a submissive. Okay. I identify as a switch, so I'm very comfortable with either which role. Okay. And so you are a, you've been a BDSM enthusiast for years. You don't just, you know, try it on for the job. This is something that's part of you and your own personal life too. And I, and I might add one thing. You were you are you are a sex educator before you became a sex worker, is that correct? That is correct. I was a BDSM and sex educator nationally for a number of years prior to me ever working at the ranches. I'd always had an interest in BDSM and education is something that I was just naturally drawn to my entire life. Well, when the opportunity over time presented itself to start sharing knowledge at events and conferences, I leapt in with both feet and never looked back. All right. So do men or anybody, men or women or couples, do you actually get more women and couples in the last few years since like 50 shades has been a thing and people have been talking about experimenting with sexuality more in the mainstream are you seeing those types of clients more there has been an absolutely dramatic surge of bdsm interest specifically interest from those who have never experienced it before and are seeking to do so in a very safe legal capacity so what what types of people are looking for that type of service and then what exactly are they looking for what drew them to experiment 
I tend to get a lot of men, very powerful men, that are seeking to be submissive. I tend to get a lot of couples that are seeking to learn BDSM skills to take care of each other's needs. And I also tend to get a lot of women who want to learn what it means to be submissive themselves. Mm. And so I'll address each of those three categories very, very differently because there's a whole different set of needs and skills that go with each of those three encounters. Right. Women are coming to you looking to be more submissive. Now, these women who are coming to see you exclusively, do they have partners at home that they're trying to teach or what's, I guess, their their ultimate angle or purpose? They're generally speaking, coming out as single women, both bisexual and straight women, looking to have an encounter that's going to teach them something about themselves. They're choosing to explore BDSM with me as an expression of self-identity and also self-exploration. If you've never had a BDSM encounter before and are interested in experiencing it in a very safe, controlled environment, we're better than a Nevada brothel. And do you also teach women who want to be dominant? Oh, of course. I offer everything from skills teaching where we can actually learn the physical movements of floggers, of rope, of bondage. I also specifically teach people how to do aftercare because that's something that we also skip over in sex education. We don't talk about the after effect of the activity we just finished. So I always take time to talk about aftercare with all of the people that I see. Additionally, I have the unique ability to have scenes with someone. Somebody can write in and give me a very, very specific, elaborate fantasy, sit back, relax, and know that I'm going to craft that scene for them, and all they need to do is show up. Mm. So how much of your job, and I don't mean your, your greater job of being a sex educator, but your job specifically at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch is actually being a sexuality educator, like a hands-on sexuality educator. I would go so far as to say about 90%. There is almost always an opportunity for me to have a teachable moment in every single party I do, whether it be from talking to a virgin about how to put a condom on properly or talking about a couple about how to use dental dams for the first time as they've never seen dental dams before or talking about toy cleaner and this is the type of toy cleaner you use on silicone toys and this is the type of lube that you would want to use with condoms and this is why you would want to do those things. By and large, most Americans have no idea about the depth and breadth that it is when it comes to sex, especially sex education. They have no idea there is a right way and a wrong way, and that right and wrong way oftentimes exists for very, very good reasons. No, I don't expect you to be an ambassador for every single person that works at the Bunny Ranch, but I have noticed a trend that, uh, for example, you and Air Force Amy are both degreed professional sex educators. Is this becoming more of a trend for sex workers at the Bunny Ranch? I think that that trend has always existed on a subtle level. Um, More so, what I think has happened is that societally has become more accepting of the notion as sex worker, as educator. And so while that's been happening for many, many years, this is the first time that we're able to be vocal about it. That's why we're seeing more of it. 
It's not that it's increasing in prevalency. It's simply that now we're able to talk about this a little bit more openly and freely. And do you find either yourself or other people that work at the ranch that there is any sort of stigma when you are wearing your sex educator hat, you know, off premises at some other place? Is there any type of discrimination that you face being like, oh, but you're a sex worker? Or is that more of an asset? It really is an asset. It truly, truly is. Because people know I have been there. I have experienced it. I'm talking from a place of genuine knowledge. And not just the book knowledge, but the field knowledge, too. So people, I think, are willing to listen to what I have to say a little bit more, knowing that I've been there and knowing that I've had those experiences on a personal level. So now, A... Why the heck do so, you know, you said 90% of people you're giving some sort of a sex education to. A, why do so many of us need that type of sex education? And B, this is a tongue in cheek question. Aren't they learning all they need to learn from porn? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. I see what you did there. I mean, come on, right? Right? Oh, yeah. Porn's <laughs> totally like real life, you guys. It's definitely, that's how it goes down every time, just like magic. <laughs> so really, though, are people learning anything positive from porn? Are they getting, I know it's, you know, we always say like learning how, learning sex education from porn is like learning how to drive by watching the Fast and the Furious. It's great entertainment, but it's, like you said, it's not realistic at all. It's not a, a good representation of real sex, just like Fast and the Furious isn't a good representation of lawful driving. Uh, <laughs> but are people, It's so accurate. It's yeah. so accurate. People, unfortunately, are learning bad behaviors from porn. They're, unfortunately, teaching men to mutilate their bodies in the way that they masturbate. Porn tends to encourage this very high-energy, frantic energy, where the guys are kind of pulling on themselves in this really rough, very, very aggressive, rigorous manner, which actually is causing physical damage to their bodies. Like, they are damaging themselves, they're damaging the nerves, and they're actually going so far as to cause sex to be very difficult. Oftentimes, it's referred to as um, death grip syndrome, where guys have such a death grip on themselves that that's the only way they're able to orgasm, is they copy what they've seen in porn, and they're unable to orgasm with a partner because their bodies have been trained by porn, by their aggressive masturbation, to only react to that one sensory input. And so as a result, we're seeing a lot of guys who are struggling in the bedroom to achieve an erection, to climax with their partner. And when it comes to the sex skills themselves, all they have is what they've seen on the TV, which oftentimes is very, very rough, very incorrect, and very unrealistic. Now, I have a a question sort of dovetailing with that. So PIED is something that has been in the forefront of my mind for a while, which is porn. Yeah, Yeah, I'm about to. Thank you, sweetheart. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Oh, we got to go fuck yourself in this episode. So it is porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And I think I actually want to differentiate something that you're saying or, or, or more specifically clarify. So for the first time in history, the erectile dysfunction rate for men under the age of 40, which now constitutes... 25% of all people that have erectile dysfunction problems are actually stemming not specifically from porn, but from the cis-hetero porn that is shown on tube sites because of the 
incredible free access that people have to porn and they're using porn at much younger ages, we're finding that many people have a sexual preference that leads towards porn and potentially death grip syndrome, not because of porn in and of itself, but because of the access to porn with masturbation. Uh, And some of the things with death grip syndrome and PIED can actually be reversed by either going to a therapist or a sex worker in learning not to masturbate to porn. I think that porn is great, and you please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Alice, but porn is great if you're not masturbating to completion. It's great to prime the pump as opposed to just it being an inherent evil. What would you? Th- what do you think about that? Absolutely. Porn is an amazing additive tool, but that's the key word, though, here. Additive. It needs to add to the experience rather than be the experience. So if you're watching porn with your partner leading up to intercourse, and I do want to throw in a caveat here. I'm specifically talking about ethically obtained porn, not illegally downloaded porn. Please, guys, if you're going to use porn, if you're going to watch porn, Please pay for it. Those ladies have provided a really valuable and incredible service. So make sure that they are being compensated for that. So if you're using ethically obtained porn, if you're using it with a partner, if you're using it not as the main activity, go for it. Porn isn't problematic when used in that particular way. It's a very useful tool if you choose to use it as a tool rather than use it as an entire experience. Now, for listeners who have heard us talk about this in the past, you'll note that uh, we're going to refer you to a specific podcast called The Butterfly Effect, which is on this exact subject when it comes to the damage that tube sites have done to people uh, across the board, where whether it is porn performers or it's people that are utilizing the porn. And I just have to jump in because of my marketing background, shameless plug at the beginning of this podcast, you heard how you can get your free Audible trial. <laughs> Grab that up and go listen to the butterfly effect. All right. Shameless promotion out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's it really is unfortunate. And that is one thing, too, that people oftentimes don't realize that porn stars are sex workers as well. Anybody who is employed by the sex industry is termed a sex worker. So when I'm speaking as a sex worker for sex worker advocacy, that absolutely does include porn performers. So much in the same way that I would advocate for paying for pornography, I would in the same way advocate for paying the performers when they're performing the services. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about the general lack of sex education or the lack of proper comprehensive sex education in this country. And, you know, we, we've touched on it in our conversation and Ken and I touched on it in a lot of our episodes have really put us in a precarious position because now we have a whole swath of adults, people that know nothing about sex that are motivated by their shame or their misunderstandings and myths about sex. And you come face to face with that every day. And a lot of our listeners tend to be a little more sex savvy or sex positive. And I find that us in the sex positive community, we kind of live in a silo with a bunch of other sex positive people. And we don't realize like, how bad it is out there in the trenches with like the, you know, the average cross section of regular people that might not be in sex positive circles. So what are some of the specific 
myths that you've encountered when you see different clients, they think X, Y, Z, and you're like, oh, dear Lord, honey, you know, (laughs) what are some of the things that you're seeing? So the most common one is, how did a girl like you, who's well-educated, beautiful, who has multiple college degrees, what happened in your life that went so wrong that you could end up at a place like this? Oh, no. Is it like, oh, honey, did your daddy beat you? Like, they think you have daddy issues and all those assumptions? I. It is mind-blowing. People will go to an incredible extreme to believe something that isn't real. For example, I have a pony. My pony actually lives at the bunny ranch, and so oftentimes I go horseback riding. Well, what happens when you go horseback riding often enough? Inevitably, you take a tumble and you fall. So I had a little bit of a bruise on my hip. No big deal. Like, oh, thanks, pony. I had somebody look at that, react, and instantly make the assumption that I had been sex trafficked, kidnapped, and was being held hostage, and started a conversation with me that was blink twice if you don't feel safe. Oh, no. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, what do you think is going on? Oh, my gosh, no, my pony. Do you want to meet my pony? He's literally out there. This is this is his fault. I'm fine. The only person abusing me is my pony. We're okay, guys. Like, it's totally, totally okay. Like, the biggest misconception is that something terrible must be happening for me to stay at the Bunny Ranch. Something bad must have happened in my life for me to be interested in this job. And that could not be any further from reality. I love, love, love what I do. It's so funny because earlier we were talking about just how difficult it is to be a sex worker. And while there is certainly a lot of labor involved in that, for me personally... I love it. I love my job. Like, I can genuinely say that it is everything I have been looking for in one job title. It's getting to connect with people, help people, make personal, meaningful connections, impact somebody's life in a tangible way. It's all of those things in one. Where else would I be? What else would I want to be doing other than this? I can't think of a single way to help society more. So, and for those of you who are listening to this and say, but don't you have a cis male pimp? Well, and, and I think that for those of you who don't know who Dennis Hoff is, he's more like a really, really type A personality boss than somebody that I would consider pimp. What, he's what, definitely not a pimp. That's for sure. What, he's, yeah. What do you think about him? Dennis is a really great guy. Just being straightforward. He's very, very nice. He's one of those guys who has a little bit of the teddy bear thing going on, where you look at them and you expect them to be a certain way, but the reality is completely different. The best way to describe Dennis is a typical snapshot of the Bunny Ranch parlor. It'll be myself, two or three of the other ladies, maybe a client that's hanging out at the house after a party, and Dennis sitting on couches, having a nice conversation over coffee and ice pops. All right. So now there's an initiative that you are involved with called Hookers for Healthcare. And now I have to just take an aside here. In the in the circle that I'm in, there are certain words that are acceptable. Like I say sex worker. Can I just as a, a civilian say hooker? Like, is that okay or not okay? Yeah, I mean, I know you can self-identify that way, but should the average person not use that word? Probably not. 
The reason why I specifically chose the name Hookers for Healthcare was specifically to make people stop and think about who we are and what it is that we're motivated by. So when you're referring to Hookers for Healthcare, that's the name of that particular movement. That's totally fine. But you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, the hookers at the Bunny Ranch and refer to myself or my coworkers as hookers. You wouldn't want to do something like that. It's generally considered pretty offensive. It's better to call us ladies, to call us sex workers, to call us legal companions. That's the type of preferred language that we generally are after. So now talking about the organization itself, Hookers for Healthcare. What is that? What What is that all about? So Hookers for Healthcare is a national healthcare movement that I founded a number of months ago as a response to what I saw happening in our country in regards to the healthcare debate. Like I had mentioned earlier, we are independent contractors. And for those who aren't aware or have never worked as an independent contractor, that means that we're also responsible for obtaining and paying for our own medical insurance. So back when Hookers for Healthcare was first getting off the ground and it was just first being discussed, a very serious issue popped up regarding pre-existing conditions. And so, of course, we're talking about this. A lot of the ladies are very, very concerned because either they themselves have had a pre-existing condition, a family member has, a child has, and they're being personally affected by the laws going on around them that they didn't necessarily understand. Mm -hmm. I've been very politically inclined from a very young age. I've always been interested in the news. I've been interested in following up with policies and procedures. And so I was taking a lot of interest in the healthcare debate. I was kind of acting as a go-between the TV and the ladies explaining, in layman's terms, this is what they're talking about, this is what they're wanting to do. Through that conversation, we're like, what are we going to do about this? This is awful. And so it's like, well, if you want to make sustainable, realistic change, you have to be willing to organize. And thus, Hookers for Healthcare was born. Our primary mission is to ensure that sex workers not only have access to healthcare, but it's affordable and that it's not going to exclude pre-existing conditions. And it also needs to include women's health services. Now, I, I have a lot of sex worker friends that are here in Chicago. Are they able to join your health plan? Unfortunately, we still have to get individual health care plans. With that being said, however, we are willing to help people apply for insurance in their home states. I'm personally most familiar with the Nevada market. However, I'm always happy to help somebody through that process of obtaining insurance. The reason I bring up Hookers for Healthcare after we talked about Dennis Hoff is I was actually reading an article about it, I think, on CNN. And I was a little taken aback. I was like, oh, Dennis Hoff's politics, and he's public about it, don't really align with the Hookers for Healthcare vision. And I'm assuming align with what your personal politics is either. Um, and that he, he does take a conservative stance and he, you know, he doesn't believe that, um, you know, he said something referring to healthcare as like government handouts kind of thing. So how do you and the other women that work at the ranch feel about that? Is that a source of conflict or how, how does that work? Well, first off, one thing to keep in mind is that not all the ladies at the ranch necessarily are for hookers for healthcare. 
we have ladies that are also very, very conservatively minded. Um, Harley Lane comes to mind. She's very conservative, very, very sweet Texas lady, but she was not involved with the Hookers for Healthcare and, in fact, was opposed to Hookers for Healthcare. What's really so interesting about the Bunny Ranch is that despite the fact that we are a large company, we all have the ability to formulate our own thoughts and feelings in regards to politics. And that's okay. That's acceptable. So the fact that my politics are different than Dennis's politics has never been a source of conflict. Same thing in regards to Harley Lane and I. It's never been a conflicting issue. We just have different thoughts on things and that's okay. Much like... The macrocosm has different thoughts. So too does the microcosm of the Nevada brothels. Mm -hmm. So like politically, it's kind of, you know, everyone is sort of live and let live. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on you and try to convert you to what I believe and vice versa, basically. Precisely. There's definitely no animosity between opposing thoughts. And if anything, there's some amazing conversations that get to happen as a result of those different thoughts. I want to switch gears a little bit because I had read that you see a lot of adult virgins and we I have, do. we have a lot of misconceptions about adult virgins. You know, there was the movie, was it like the 40 year old virgin or whatever? And, and I think adult virgins get a really bad rap. They're out there and they're people and there's nothing wrong with them. And, and I want to add one other thing. Can you also address in this same line of question, uh, about abstinence-only education and how that may be causing more adult virgins. Oh, happily so. So I specifically have chosen to focus and specialize in adult virgins. By this, I'm talking about people that have any range of virginity from they've done everything leading up to intercourse but never had intercourse to seeing men that have never been on a date or never kissed a girl or never held hands before. So I see a very full spectrum of virginity. One of the reasons I think we have more prevalency towards adult virginity in recent years is the abstinence-only education we're not talking about the experiential side of sex, which is what is this going to feel like? What is this going to have? Is there a benefit to me doing this? That is one thing that we do need to keep in mind here, guys. In our schools, our kids don't know that sex feels good. Until you have had sex, you don't know that sex is a really good positive thing. They don't talk about pleasure in school at all. So for a lot of virgins, there's an element of fear associated with it. What to expect? Is this going to hurt? Believe it or not, that is one of the most commonly asked questions I get. Oh, is it going to be painful? And of course, the answer is no. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have an amazing time. But there definitely is a lack of education that I do see. And it's really unfortunate because it's not their fault. It's the fault of society. And it's a failure in the educational system to address that need and desire. When it comes to the men themselves, there's so many stereotypes that get thrown around that these guys must be geeky, they must be smelly and overweight, they must have poor hygiene and terrible social skills, they must live in their mom's basement. And the reality is, the virgins that I see come from all walks of life, all sorts of wealth from blue-collar workers to folks who come to me with an inheritance. I see an incredible, incredible diversity 
when it comes to adult virgins. Do I have people that enjoy video games? Of course. I enjoy video games too. There's nothing wrong with that. Enjoying video games isn't a problem. Being a male virgin also isn't a problem. But when people are like, oh, he's an adult virgin, well, of course he likes video games. Okay, I like video games, and I'm really far from a virgin, so clearly that's <laughs> not problematic. And so I always focus on taking away the stigma of being a virgin and letting people know that we were all virgins once. I was a virgin once. We all start somewhere, and that's okay. If you choose to start your adventure when you turn 18, great. If you choose to start exploring sex later on in life in your 40s, that's also okay. That's a very valid choice. If you've chosen to remain a virgin or you've simply remained a virgin by consequence of situation, that's okay. There's never, never any stigma associated with it. It doesn't imply you're a bad person. It doesn't imply anything about you other than you're a virgin wanting to have a first-time experience. And I'm excited to get to make that happen for people. I look forward to it. So hypothetically... And I'm not speaking, if a friend of mine wanted to know, could they wear a unicorn mask while playing Xbox and getting a blowjob? Is that a party they could have at the Bunny Ranch, hypothetically, asking for a friend? I totally have a video game console in my room. Bring it on. Awesome. <laughs> not like there's any unicorn mask wearing video game players in the room. No, none no, at all. Not none, at all. None. No. Never. Just our friends. Just our friends. Always. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. By, by the way, kids, a slippery unicorn is probably my favorite sex act. Just saying. Just hand job with a unicorn mask on. You get sensory deprivation with a hand job at the same time. It's amazing. Just th throwing that out there. It's yeah. kind of incredible. Yeah. That's what's so cool about the Bunny Ranch, though, is that if you're looking to have a very unique experience like a threesome, you get to have that. And it's okay. It's very, very normal. So if you've always thought to yourself, man, I want to be the center of attention while two beautiful women literally do all the work and please me while I just lay back with a big grin on my face, cool. Send me an email. Let's do it. That sounds like fun. I look forward to making people's adventures and fantasies happen and bringing them to life. It's part of the pleasure that I get as a sex worker is getting to craft those things and make them happen. Aww. I like that. The Bunny Ranch, where everything's possible. It is. It's like adult <laughs> Disney World. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alice. I have learned so much. You know, and I thought, I, I, I always learn. I think I like, oh, I know all the things. I'm like, man, I just learned more things. So you've given me a lot to think about and reflect on. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alice. So, thank you guys so, so much for having me. Oh, of course. And for our listeners who are like, okay, I got to find more out about Alice or see Alice, give us all the goods on where they can find you online, etc. First stop is going to be my website, www.thealicelittle.com. Additionally, you can find me on Twitter at thealicelittle. I also am the Alice Little on Instagram, and you can always find anything about me online simply by Googling my name. If you're looking to reach out and get in touch with me personally, email is going to be the best way to do that. Any questions, any comments, anything at all. I'm really excited to get to hear from you. My email is alicelittle at bunnyranch.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you were like, I'm driving and I can't write all that down. I'm swerving. I'm going to have an accident. 
chill out as always. All of those links will be in our show notes at sunnymegatron.com or at americansexpodcast.com. Thanks, Alice. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.